1: Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDV, Talk 860, and womentowatch.net. I hope you're all enjoying a wonderful Monday afternoon. It's a little chilly in here. One of these days, I'm going to bring a space heater for my feet because it's very cold in here. Um, I'd like to give out real quickly our call-in number. If you're listening and you'd like to speak to um, either of our guests this afternoon, you can do so by dialing 888-329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. And always be sure to out our website at womentowatch.net. that's women the number two watchnet so I'm thrilled this afternoon to have two wonderful women joining our show uh, the first is going to be our very own in-house financial contributor Jocelyn ewert of Entrust financial and waiting in the wings is the wonderful Holly Dowling and Holly is a global speaker and inspirational thought leader who is our very special guest today so I'm going to bring bring on Jocelyn at the top of the show and she's going to be giving us some tips and insights on travel and vacation. Jocelyn, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. It is fantastic to be here, Susan. As you said, on what is here in the Philadelphia area, a gorgeous day, if a bit chilly. Yes. Uh, At least that blue sky and sun reminds us that uh, vacation is not long away for most of us. Um, the Memorial Day holiday is coming up, and that certainly signals the start of summer, just like the approach of June, July, and August. Uh, I don't know about you, but I know I'm certainly looking forward to a somewhat slower pace and a bit more relaxation.
1: It sounds uh, good to me.
2: Yep. Um, Do you find yourself anticipating vacation plans, Susan?
1: Absolutely. We'll be, you know, getting down to the Jersey Shore as often as we can. Um, And then, of course, we have a really wonderful trip to Ireland coming up in the fall.
2: Ooh, that sounds phenomenal. Yes. Um, You know, what always fascinates me when I meet with clients for the first time is how similar their primary goals tend to be. Uh, The desire for financial security and financial independence usually top the list of goals. But these two goals are quickly followed by the desire to have plenty of money for vacations and travel. And your plans are a great example of that, Susan. Uh, As a wealth manager, this goal to fund vacations and travel triggers a number of considerations that I'd like to share today with uh, your listeners in the next couple of minutes.
1: Great. Terrific.
2: For starters, uh, to be thoughtful about creating a spending plan for vacations, it's important to have a sense of what your needs cost each month, your so-called fixed expenses like mortgage, car, utilities, Internet, and retirement savings. Then determine how much discretionary money you have left for your wants after your needs are paid for. This requires the simple math of your fixed expenses from your monthly income to see what's left over. Next, decide how much of this discretionary money that you have left you want to earmark for vacations and travel. Having identified a number that makes you comfortable, you're ready to decide on an easy way to earmark and set aside your vacation funds. As with all things financial, the best way to set aside funds depends on your personal situation. And as I always say, when I'm on this segment of the show, what I'm communicating to listeners are suggestions and guidelines. Unless somebody actually hires me or hires in Trust Financial, I can't give specific investment advice. So back to the best way to set aside funds and the fact that it depends on your situation, we find working with executives that they often like to earmark a portion of their annual bonus as their vacation funds, or perhaps an executive might decide to exercise part of their stock options to set aside to fund the vacation for the next year. On the other hand, business owners typically need to list vacation as an expense that they plan for, just like they list other business expenses on their balance sheet. Otherwise, they tend to get so busy working on their businesses they kind of forget all about planning and setting aside the travel funds uh, that they want to have ready. Women who have inherited money often earmark a specific portfolio and set aside all the earnings from that particular account as their personal or vacation uh, or family vacation fund. Retirees, on the other hand, may also earmark specific earnings or retirement income to be set aside in a separate account to use for travel each year. For example, one strategy a lot of retirees like is to direct their monthly Social Security incomes into a specific fund, and that becomes their vacation fund for the year. So, to recap a moment for your listeners. To make sure you have the money you need when it's time to head on your favorite, head for your favorite travel destination, remember, first of all, to decide how much of your discretionary income you want to set aside for travel and fun. Second, decide which portion of income or what investments you want to earmark for vacation funding. And when you've taken care of step one and step two, you're ready for step three which is to select in what account to park your travel funds. So the money is there when you need to use it. Between now and our next show together, Susan, my husband and I are going to be traveling, uh, not to Ireland, but to Paris, to see the quarterfinals of the French Tennis Open.
1: Oh, that sounds wonderful.
2: I'm looking forward to it. I do admit that. And uh, like other business owners I mentioned earlier, I budget for vacation just like my other business expenses. I would love to hear from your listeners uh, what they do to fund their vacations and travel. Travel, perhaps a caller will be willing to share her story.
1: That would be wonderful. Or we could also do a little um, kind of a, a Q&A, maybe um, on our website. That would be interesting. Um, Fantastic.
2: I'd love to do that.
1: But I guess it always comes back to, you know, the importance of having those different, uh, you know, different buckets, different um accounts and really not keeping all of your your money in one place. It,
2: absolutely. And also the plan ahead factor and the fact that, you know, in your case, you and your husband Susan may not put money aside the way my husband and I put money aside, and right. that's okay. There's right. a lot of different ways to get to the end game, which is have the money that you want for those all-important vacations and that all-important travel.
1: Right. We all need to break away from the from the grind, right?
2: Uh, it makes all the difference, right?
1: Yes, it does. All right. Listen. Thank you. We appreciate your coming on every month as you do, and uh, I will be talking to you. And safe travels. Thank you. All righty. Take care. You too. Uh, now we're going to bring on our guest for this afternoon, as I mentioned earlier. Her name is Holly Dowling, and Holly is a global speaker and an inspirational thought leader and works with many, many companies companies from around the world. Holly, welcome to the show. Thanks, Susan.
0: Great to be here and hear
1: your voice It's good to hear your voice are you you're calling from Arizona?
0: I am. I'm sitting in Scottsdale, back in Scottsdale from the weekend. Wonder-
1: and what's it like there today?
0: Well, I mean, I hate to put a downer on listening to how chilly it is for you, but it's beautiful <laughs> blue skies, palm trees, and sunshine. Uh, and I would send a picture, but it might not warm you up enough.
1: No. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have asked. This is very unusual for us um, on the East Coast in May to have these kind of temperatures. But it is, it is um, beautifully sunny and uh, bright blue sky. So we've had a lot of rain. We're happy to to see the sun today. So, you know, I have been looking forward to this for quite some time. And um, just so the listeners know, you and I met through a wonderful mutual uh, woman's organization, EBW 2020. And um, we met at an event at the U.N., which was, a, which was a great day. And I know you do significant work with them, which we'll be talking about later in the show. Um, but I'd love for you to start with your growing up years. And I understand you did spend um, the beginning up until fifth grade, I guess, uh, growing up in Pennsylvania. Why don't you talk for a few minutes about those years?
0: I would love to, and I'm sitting here smiling because, Susan, I have loved listening to your show, and I've loved listening to several of your guests, and I was having just an epiphany because you recently had on Megan, the mayor of Nashville, and she grew up in Kansas, and then Amy Cuddy, who grew up in Pennsylvania. Well, I grew up in Pennsylvania in Reading up until fifth grade, and then we moved to Kansas. Right. So I have to laugh. It's like a summary of all your guests.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I learn so much every week because, you know, women are coming on the show from all over and uh it's a wonderful geography lesson for me. You know, always learn <laughs> a little tidbit about different places. I don't get to do that much traveling. I, I wish I did. But um so Reading, yes, Reading, I've been to probably when I was a kid, Um Tell me, uh, you were there till fifth grade, and then I'd love to know, you know, what was the reason for leaving?
0: Well, and, I, and part of this story that you and I are about to share—that very few people know of about me—actually yes. um, incubated in Reading, and that really, we lived in um, Allentown, Bethlehem, and Reading. My father was an engineer, mm-hmm. and so we kind of moved to those cities, but it was in Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, and I'm the oldest of four, and at the time there was three of us and my baby brother was getting ready to be born. But, Susan, I will have vivid memories. I can still picture the street and the house we grew up in when I was living there because we had one little TV, and it sat down in the basement. And you remember back then when we didn't have cable and all that, but it was there that I had my first vision and dreams of what would soon become a part of my life and never giving up on dreams because I sat in the basement and would watch on Friday night, Are You Ready?, because I'm hoping that I'm not aging myself. But do you remember um, Love Boat and Fantasy Island? Do you remember those shows? Of
1: course, yes, (laughs) yes. As a matter of fact, my friends sometimes call me Julie McCoy (laughs) in not a very nice nice way. But, yes, I do remember those shows.
0: But, honestly, it is because of your – I mean, for anybody that has had the opportunity to meet you, they know this. You just exude joy and love, and actually watching Love Boat. Now, I'm going to tell you, it was watching Love Boat in that fourth grade and fifth grade that put into me, and I never believed, I never knew that there was like this magic in our brain, but I used to watch that show, and I said, someday I'm going to be Julie
1: on the Mm, Love Boat. Right. Oh, my gosh. And that
0: created a dream that later became true against all odds, and it made me believe in myself that no matter what, I can do what I dream to do. So that's a huge part of where I am today
1: because of having that experience. Yeah. So tell me, um, I want to know what, you know, to have those kind of aspirations and and visions, I'll say, as a young girl um, is, I I don't know if it's unusual or not. I would say that young girls are always kind of dreaming and and dreaming big. But um, tell me what some of your, your personal challenges were when you were young.
0: Well, you know, and I have to say, and I love the way you just said that. It's not just when I think young, um, young boys and girls, everybody has. I like to call them the butterflies on our shoulders, right? Those dreams, those aspirations, those things that kind of keep you up at night and get you up in the morning, and um, somewhere through life, and I not necessarily by uh, malicious means of other people in our world, but those get crushed, right? They kind of get shoved away or put put under the rug. Um, so for me, you know, having just knowing that that just created in me a vision and a dream. And then, as all of us do, you know, I mean, you all grow up. We've all had, we all have a story. We've all been through a lot. But just always having like that little nudge or that little butterfly on my shoulder is what, you know, it stayed alive all through high school, junior high through high school. We moved to Kansas. And as I said, i was the oldest of four. Um, but I have to say, Susan, it was when I was in college. And uh, are you ready? Because a lot of people don't know this. Um uh, yeah. so are you ready? Yes, okay. yes, we are ready. Uh, here we go. Yeah, you know, I actually thought that um, I went to school to be an attorney. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And probably like a lot of kids that go off to school and, you know, we all, I, I have to say, I was just with some of my siblings this weekend uh, for my son's graduation in Chicago. And we were all sitting around and reminiscing that I'm so in awe of my siblings. And we said well, the one thing we all are so proud of is we had to start working at a very young age you know, really having those part-time jobs and having that work ethic. So I'm at college, and um, I call my dad, and I just said, I think I'm going to quit college. I don't want to be a lawyer. I hate my classes, and I want to go travel the world. I want to be a cruise director. Oh, Susan, you can only imagine the other end of the phone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no dad wants to hear that their daughter's quitting school to go be a cruise director. <laughs>
0: absolutely I mean it was dead silence yeah I mean it was like this long pause and I thought well maybe he's not there anymore and all I heard was on my dead body are you quitting college (laughs) Um, okay and so it kind of um just figure out a way to finish your degree and so I just I was at Kansas State University and they didn't have it are I think our society has changed so much but you know you can now go get a degree and restaurant and hotel management and hospitality. We didn't have that then. Yes, right. So I just started talking to professors, went to the career center, and I found my way. Are you ready for this? I found my way into a little tiny group of professors that had this school of physical education, dance, and leisure study. It was the closest thing I could get wow. to finding a way to go see the world.
1: Wow, yeah. And,
0: um, yeah, and that began – um to really, um, I asked, has anybody ever been a cruise director? And I heard no. And any, you know, I heard everything. And it implanted in me, um, which is a story I, I love to share with the youth, is that I had never given up that dream. And I said, nobody seems to be able to help me figure out how to do something I dreamed to do. And so I went to the library. And for our listeners that are, are a little older like us, you know, we didn't have a lot of access to the internet back then. Mm-hmm. I went to the library and I pulled out all the magazines for travel and I went to the back of the magazines and looked up the little ads for cruise ships. And I wrote down 40 of them. I proceeded to go back to where I was living and called all the 800 numbers and asked, do you ever hire, um, how do you hire? Do you hire people? What, can, what do I need to do? Can I get an internship? And that just created, um, I heard no, you know, or I heard a lot of excuses. You know, we do hire, but you have to speak five languages, you have to do this. Mm. A lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I decided I had 19 people that said, yeah, send your resume, send something, no guarantee. Um, I took those 19 contacts, and I made hot pink resumes and hot pink cover letters. And, oh, by the way, uh, I have to share with you this, Susan, I had actually made um, appointments at local travel agencies and asked the owners, do you know how to get a job on a cruise ship? And of course I always heard um it get your head out of the clouds, ten years waiting list. They don't hire people as young as you, you know. I I heard everything. Yeah. I sent off nineteen cover letters and resumes.
1: Wow. Uh, now teams. Holly, were you what year were you I guess twenty one at this time? Is this when you right out of school? How old were you? No, I was still um, I was
0: a junior in college. I was not even it was the summer before I was going to be going in to be a junior, so mm-hmm. I was a summer and I was just at the tail end of that last semester of my junior year, so I was only 18 years wow, old. I okay, wasn't even 18. old.
1: Yeah. Wow, okay,
0: you 18. Wow, okay. I love that you're getting the color of this, right? Because yeah. You, you know, you believe you have these things that you're going to do. We all have this, like, ambition and dream. And so I kid you not, I sent those off, and I always say to people, don't ever lie on your resume because um, it will come back to get you. And I didn't. I was getting my minor in French. I got two phone calls, Susan, out of the blue after mailing those hot pink envelopes. Both phone calls started off speaking to me in French. By the time I got off those calls, I had a job offer to have the first internship of anyone at Kansas State University, and I was going to be leaving in one month, and I was being sworn to Papi to Tahiti to be the social hostess aboard the SS Liberty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> why not <laughs> well, yeah. well my guess is okay so I'm picturing this phone call and my you know knowing you and your spirit and your enthusiasm and determination did you did you literally just in that phone call just kind of talk your way into that role
0: well I was so stunned to be perfectly honest, I was so stunned that the phone call came and that they were actually talking to me and it was in French when I was just more in shock, right? Like, is this really happening? And then, yeah, I think it was kind of a, I'm available, I can come, I can come spend my summer, um, everything on that resume, and again, I'm going to say it, make sure everything is for real and real and be the authentic you. You know, I had done a lot of volunteer work through high school and I had my part-time job and um, so they asked me questions about that. And the job that I took, Susan, they were literally like, can you be here? We will fly you here. It'll be in four weeks. Wow. And um, I literally got on a plane. Here's the part that is so classic, and it's a visual. You can just picture this. Oh, by the way, I have to say, I did take the time. I'm big on um, thank you notes. And I took the time to write a personal thank you to all of the people that so kindly spent time with me to let me know it would probably never work. But I wanted them to know. Thank you again <laughs> for your time. But I am going aboard the SS Liberty with American Hawaii Cruises. <laughs> right.
1: Just in case you were wondering. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> and you know, the moral to the story, though, which I think you know this about me, which has actually kept me going through many ups and downs in my life, was I learned tell me no, watch me go. I just started this mantra for myself tell me no and watch me go. Mm-hmm. The more people told me no, and not because they wanted to crush my dream. It is kind of what Amy said when she said, people tell you what you should do. You know, I feel like we can spend our life and we, we try to protect the people we love. So we try to tell them the right thing to do. But in all good intention, the more I was told no, the more fuel I got that it was kind of like, watch me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do this.
1: Yeah, that's a great and motivator. God. That's a great motivator, right, To to kind of prove it's, it's, others wrong. Prove others wrong, but prove that I could do it.
0: Yeah. You know, it took a lot of tenacity. And I sat there in that library, and I wrote down those phone numbers, and then I made that hot pink cover letter and resume. And, and I have to say to you that when I landed in Tahiti, two things that well, I will never forget, and I just have to show this with you because you'll you'll love this visual. There was a group of people waiting for me when I got off the plane. One was the boss, the man that hired me, and some other people that were going to soon be my wonderful friends and colleagues. And they were staring at me sometimes. And looking at me up and down. And people were just like, and I thought, this is very odd. Why is everybody staring at me? But more, they were looking at my feet. And I finally looked at the man, Kirby Day, that hired me. And I looked at him and I said, is everything okay? Why is everybody staring at me? And he said, because they're all here. They all thought you were going to look like Dorothy from The Wizard of
1: Oz. <laughs> <laughs> no, rosy slip, no rosy red slippers, right? <laughs> Yeah, it was long from that. No pig either. (laughs) Right, right. Oh, my gosh, that's so funny. So, okay, how many, so first of all, I want to know how your poor mom and dad, you know, when you said to them, I'm leaving for Tahiti to be a cruise director, how did they come to terms with it?
0: Um, My father was still, I think, collapsed as an engineer, not thinking this was really going to happen. And I don't know that he even believed it until he was taking me and dropping me off at the airport with my, like, 17 suitcases and all my stuff I thought I needed that I would have no room for anyway. Right. Um, But, you know, they both have, um, (laughs) all of my siblings, I think coming from having to, again, you you know, start working at a young age, figure out how to make that extra money, I think they've all realized, you know, they're very proud. And I since went on to there's really nothing that's going to stop me. I mean, there's been a lot of tough moments of my life, you know, where I thought I just kind of hit rock bottom, but I can always look up and know that I can keep, I can pull myself together and keep on trucking.
1: Well, Holly, let me ask you, um, can you share with us and, you know, the the listeners, any one of those tough moments and how, in spite of that, um, you still managed to work through it, and, and find the success that you see today.
0: Yes, and I'm ready and would be um, honored to share. Um, as probably a lot of people may or may not know, um, I've spent the last almost two decades, especially the last decade, traveling the world and has become um you know, very passionate about what I speak on and and to be a messenger of hope and inspiration and spend a lot of time with leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason I share that with you, Susan, is most people do not know some of the really tough things I've been through. And as I shared with you, um, I believe that we all have a purpose to be here. And if I I came to terms about five years ago, that it's time to pull back the layers of the Mm onion. And when we're willing to be honest and real and share some of those hardships, I think it helps others have hope And it helps them realize that they can get through it. So um, most people do not know that as I finished that wonderful career of living on a cruise ship, and by the way, that did end, the ship stopped sailing, and I was aboard the ship when it did. Um, A lot of tariffs and duties, they couldn't keep functioning. So that brought me back to the States. Mm -hmm. I moved, went and found a job in St. John in the Virgin Islands, and that was fabulous. Check it off my list. I was like, here I go, I'm going to do something else. But during that time, I... um, we all get into those relationships that look very rosy and beautiful. And at right out of college, I got into a relationship and, um, soon found myself, um, which I thought was a really, you know, shiny red apple and soon found myself in a very, very toxic, um, abusive, very bad situation. And being that I always said, you know, what happened to my Tierra, the homecoming queen, she doesn't end up like this. And, um, it was a very rough 18 months for me, and I didn't want anyone to know um, mm. that I was not just physically, and I'm not going to say to your listeners, but the words and what I was called on a daily basis. Mm. And what I, I shared out, because I think there was a time, there was a moment, and there was, I was at my low, and I thought, I cannot live another day, mm. and I just didn't recognize my face in the mirror.
1: Wow. Wow. So. Well, that's, you know, it's always generous and brave to to talk about those types of um, experiences in our life and always it's it's um it's an inspiration for someone listening to hear it because they look at you and what you have come to do now and and all of your work Holly is is for a very specific reason you know to help other people and so um, I thank you you know for sharing that that bit of your own story because it's sadly, more common than probably most people know, and um, we don't want to share that because it, you know, what the voice in our head tells us, you know, this somehow makes us not appear as the person we want to, you know, to appear to be. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell me, tell me this, Um, when you were, you know, you talk about being at rock bottom, and then obviously something, Happened that kind of turned the tides for you. Sometimes I think people come to that place on their own, their own kind of self-talk, that that message, you know, deep, deep down, that you are worthwhile and capable and smart and wonderful. And sometimes I think it's something said by another. Did one of those two things happen for you? Actually,
0: um, and I love the way you just articulated that, and I'm actually sitting here with goosebumps as I'm talking to you right now. Um, because this is a big moment to be able to share this and um, it was a combination of both um, it was it was at the final moment of not thinking I could live again and I was looking in the mirror and I had been hiding and I saw what I didn't think I could recognize I didn't recognize my face it was so poorly beat up and I remember and all the words going through my head is what I've been told on a daily basis and I have to say, and that's all I can tell you is I believe that there was an angel in that moment. There was a divine moment that helped me regain my faith because there was a voice that I heard that said, You're a beautiful person and you have a big life ahead of you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, at that moment, I can, and I literally am covered with goosebumps as I'm telling you this. I think that moment saved my life
2: mm-hmm.
0: because I don't know what happened, but I was in my pajamas, or like I said, I'd been hiding. And I took the only thing I had that I could grab, and that was my purse, and I was barefoot, and I ran, and, and I you. got in my car. And then I was hidden for a few days. The sheriff's department did hide me um, just to make sure I would be safe. Yeah. Um, I honestly can't, I can only tell you, it was a divine moment. And that moment, I knew I was better, and I, I, there was a bigger reason. And I'm not going to say that that then happened easily, but it's pulling ourselves back up and then finding people that support you. I was really, really blessed that I had to go find a few people in my life um, that I knew. And I was scared to tell people, Susan. Like, my family didn't, though. Mm-hmm. I wasn't about to tell people this horrific life I'd been living in, right? Right. I mean, yes. it was embarrassing. Sure. It was, right. You're, yeah, it was yep. shame. It was...
1: Yep. Shame, that, that awful... Yeah, shame is, is a is a bad, bad thing that gets people stuck.
0: It does. And right. I, I had no idea how you even got there. Like, it happened so... And I think that's what I think happens and it's not just women, it's men and women. Mm-hmm. But it happens so it's like um I always say it's like a toxin that just kinda of seeps in and before you know it and I and I know that for anybody out there that may hear this, um, I used to believe in my heart that sticks and stones may break your bones. That old saying, but names will never hurt you. No, names will always hurt you. Names were harder for me. Mm-hmm. It was the emotional stuff that went into my head that took me years to get over. But I am so excited that today I stand here and I have this amazing life that I have created because I've never given up. I mean, my faith is incredibly important to me. I don't, it's what kept me going. Um, But had I given up that day, I wouldn't have the life I have today and have the chance and opportunity to give hope and inspire others. And most people that have heard me speak corporately have no idea Mm. about my past. Just
1: saying. Well, they might now. Some might now. They and might and yes. I tell you what. I again, I do. I say all the time how how brave and courageous it is to talk about the tough stuff. We, you know, because I think. Again, you know, this show is about the real story, the real story behind the title. And we want, as you said, men and women, not just women, to know that people, you know, who have comp- accomplished great things and they're CEOs of companies or they're um, entrepreneurs or they're thought leaders as you are, you're not somehow different. You're human as well. And every time someone says something honestly about a time that they felt uh shame or or fear or or just you know not not as a whole person um somebody else listening is going to turn around and and take some kind of action in their life that mm-hmm. that's the goal yeah. and and I just I believe it so strongly um listen holly we're going to take a very quick break when we come back i want to go right into how um you turned your life around and and all the good things you're doing today we'll be right back Love it. Okay. Where does one turn when faced with the devastating loss of hair from cancer or other medical conditions? When Jamie Levin, owner of Wig Elegance, Wigadoo, and Rosalind Stella's Wig Boutique lost her own mother to cancer in 2009, she and her husband Rob decided to take over the full-service family-owned wig salons to honor her mother's memory. What their company offers is the personal and private experience that men, women, and children deserve at such a difficult time. To learn more about their unique services and warm and compassionate staff at all three salons, such as a free consultation with expertise, full education, private booths, and clean set and cutting services, go to WigEleganceWigs.com or call 215-945-4900. That's WigEleganceWigs.com, 215-945-4900. That phone number again is 215-945-4900. And ask for your special offer as a listener to the show on selected items, such as $50 off a synthetic wig or $100 off a human hair wig. That's WigEleganceWigs.com. There are
0: 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any.
1: Two three 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 one seven seven. That's m s j a c a d dot o r g or two one five two three 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 one seven seven. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and Womentowatch.net. I have a very special guest with me this afternoon. Again, her name is Holly Dowling. Holly is a global speaker and an inspirational thought leader. And uh, she was very generous and gracious at the beginning of the show to talk about her life story and um, some of the challenges that she faced years ago, but I wanted to, uh, I guess a, a nice transition would be a question that I had for you, Holly, and that was about, when we talk about transformation, which is really what you help people do today, um, I wonder myself how much... How much of that transformation comes from these kind of external motivations? And when I say that, I mean um, coaches and, and leaders like you who, who give people reminders and messages and really help them get to a place. And how much it, it is really this this self-talk or the, as in your situation, was this kind of a spiritual voice that came to you, Um I'd love for you to just talk a few minutes about, about the differences in which part each of those play in people really turning their lives around.
0: Oh, I, I love that Susan, because, um, and I have to say, you know, I'm so excited to be able to, my focus and my passion is, and I say this, and I say this a lot from stage, that I choose to not live in woe with me. I choose to live in wow with me. And I think the wow with me is what so many people have lost or forgotten. And so this, you know, when we think about transformation, I believe that I think for a lot of people, it's hearing that somebody else has walked in their shoes. You know, mm-hmm. I want to hear from people that have walked in my shoes that I can relate to. Yes. And I think when people like ourselves, like you're showcasing so many amazing women that are helping change, you know, lives and, and have found a way to finally maybe rekindle their self-esteem. And I think for men and women, I mean, the more i realize realized is that it's, They need that. They need somebody like us just to share something and have walked in their shoes. And I think for leaders, it's hearing stories. I love to collect stories from other leaders. And um, I I get back to the heart of the matter. You know, we are over-strategized, right? Mm -hmm. We use the word strategy in Mm -hmm. the leadership world right now globally. And I think everybody's sick of the word strategy, right? right? And it's like at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And as a leader, what a privilege and gift it is to get to lead others, and I think we even forget that. So when you think about is it an internal voice, I think sometimes we just need to be willing to be reminded. It's the tap on the shoulder. Maybe it's an inner voice. Maybe it's listening to your show and hearing a guest that maybe lights somebody, rekindles their fire, um, and gets them excited. You know, I like to think we've lost the sense of dreaming. It's time to dream again. And maybe, and I see this a lot with even the men in the corporate global arena, they need time. To take an intermission to Mm. rekindle their mission. We all need
1: that. Yeah. And that's, you know, we talk about this a lot on the show just taking the time for quiet. Um, I think if you recall in um, Megan's. Interview. She talked about that, that she has to make a point to walk into her office, close the door, and tell her staff and her team that she needs some, some, uh, a few minutes of just quiet to think because um, otherwise we're just living in this world of being reactive all day long rather, rather than proactive.
0: Absolutely, And do you know that there's actually research behind that? There's a lot of great authors out there doing all the science on the neuroscience, right, in our brain. But there is a lot to be said that it's not just because it feels better, but to not feel guilty, you're a far better. When we take time for us and close the door, just like she shared, and take that time, she's modeling that for her team and for the people she's leading. And when you give people permission, and I think that's one of the greatest things leaders can do, is give people permission to take time for you because guess what? Everyone wins. You're better. You're at your heightened level of productivity and creativity when you've taken that time to step back and just pause and, you know, regroup. You're also a better colleague, a better leader, and you're a better significant other spouse or parent. That's one of the biggest things that I'm a proponent of. It's um, really, you know that word present? Susan, you know how we talk yes. about being present all yes. the time? Mm-hmm. It's a big buzzword, right? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's a huge. And I was asked to speak on that not too long ago for a change management um, conference. And I said to them, I said, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I have two things, two words that I feel are very vanilla right now. So if I'm going to come speak, I'm going to have to pull those words apart and help people understand that at a deeper level. One was being present, and one was we hear a lot about work-life balance, right? Mm -hmm. Like oh, it's work-life balance, and I firmly believe that work-life balance—that's a really vanilla spray too. It's work-life boundaries, because today in our world, work and life, our work and our personal life, they're one and the same. But you can have the juiciest, most productive, most glorious life and do what you love. And have it at if you have boundaries. Mm, you have yes. to know how to have boundaries, right? Yeah, yes. And having boundaries is the gift of being present. So, our, I always, And I, I love this, too. I heard this once, and I'm like, that's it. Give yourself the presence of being present. And being present means being receptive and attentive. So just like you and I right now, being with you on this, being interviewed, I'm sitting here with no distractions, 100% attentive and receptive and when we are able to do that for ourselves and the people around us you want to talk about the gift of love you get people to truly feel they've been listened to because you're present with them and with yourself people feel like they've been loved
1: it mm-hmm. feels that great yeah oh I love that it's, it's so true it's it's those when you're talking to to someone and you can tell that they really you have their full attention and and there's they're not distracted by any anyone else in the room that always feels really great doesn't it because it makes you feel that what you're saying and offering is important and important to them yeah Yeah. you know it reminds me of what so i got your wonderful book came in the mail over the weekend and it was a gift to me when i picked it up at the post office holly isms holly isms let your light shine which are great I just, you know, again, with the world that we live in and it's so hectic and busy, um, I love things that are short reminders and and little snippets that give you inspiration. And one of my favorites, I read the whole book, is to, Mm -hmm. to stop doing and start being. And that's a very simple one, four words, stop doing and start being. I think... Women in particular sometimes think that it's a good thing to be really, really busy and doing, you know, a hundred things in a day. And that's somehow, um, you know, just a, I guess, a positive that they're doing, you know, uh, enough in the world. And it really is the opposite, right? That we, when you're doing all of that and you're too busy, you're missing, you're missing things left and right. Tell me what. Tell me yes. about that, Stop Doing and Start Being.
0: Oh, I love that you love that one. And by the way, I was so excited to make sure you had that. And um, it's really a collection of some of the most uh, precious inspirations that have kept me going mm-hmm. through the good times and bad, right? And it's like, this is really important to me, so why not share it? And the Stop Doing and Start Being, you know, I believe there's a lot of power in the power of no. And I think... Women especially, and I see this in a lot of events that I speak at, Susan, women end up just crying because they're like, we feel we're doing the right thing by being so busy and saying yes to everybody and everything. And yet, if you can pause for a moment and think about your life and living on a hamster wheel, frankly, we all do, when you can stop and learn how to say no, because really don't feel guilty. Actually, give yourself permission and say, when I can learn how to say no, I can open myself up to say yes, where I can be leveraged at my very best.
1: Mm, And you know what?
0: You come alive and the world comes alive. I mean, you're a better mother. You're a better team member. You're better to your clients. You're just a better version of you. And I see this. And so it's that stop doing you know what, if we could challenge any of your listeners to do, I'd love to present two challenges. Would you, can we do this? Yes, Maybe. sure. Yep. Okay. One would be take a look at your week and really after this, when they listen to your show, take a look at your week, shut your door for 10 minutes and just take a moment by yourself and look at the next seven days and take a look at how you're spending your time and really decide, are you giving away your time? Some of this is your discretionary time. Is it being given to very toxic people or situations that you're feeling obligated? Do you really need to be doing that? Do you really need to be sitting on that call or that meeting? Because I think we, when we pause and we look at our schedule and look at how we're giving up our time, where can you pull back? Where can you just send a gentle, you know, I will no longer be able to attend, but please send me the notes. And I have all kinds of rules or, you know, rules that I live by and I share with leaders, and they're very simple. They're not rocket science, but it actually empowers people to get back their life. So take a look at your seven days and just see if you can begin to pare down a few of those obligations. And what I'd like you to put in place is block off some time, at least three hours over the next seven days, to take the challenge of taking out a blank piece of paper and be alone, take a walk, and begin to write. Write at the top of the page, I love to and I dream to and begin to fall back in love with who you are and what you bring this world. That would be a huge challenge.
1: Okay. Um, and I'm I'm taking notes, and I'm going to put put it out, you know, th- via social media and the website. What's the second the second challenge?
0: All right. Are you ready? Because we're going to do this. Okay. And I love this. We're going to take, if for the next seven, and I, th- I picked seven because I think seven is easy. Seven days would everyone take ten minutes. And think about the people in your life that have not heard how much you appreciate them, how much they've encouraged you, maybe the champion that's been there for you, the person that's been a cheerleader or inspired you. Maybe you haven't told somebody in a long time how much they mean to you. If for the next seven days, take 10 minutes and pause and let someone know. Pick up the phone and tell someone how much they mean to you. Encouragement is an elixir for the soul. It is what brings us life and hope. And if we could let people know in the next seven days, ten minutes a day, let someone know. It may be someone you haven't even talked to in 20 years. Maybe it's someone close to you that you haven't even taken the time to a team member, a boss, a colleague, a friend, a sibling, a child. Just let them know how great they are and what they mean to you. It won't take money. It'll only take 10 minutes, but be prepared, Susan, the gift that you will receive in return. Because people will get, you will be blown away at the email you'll get back or the phone call that you might be the only person in someone's life that made them have hope again.
1: Mm. Mm. I love that. Well, these, I like both of these challenges, because they begin with "I want you to take," I want you to to stop, you know, stop and sit down and be quiet. That's that's a that's a great you know ask for someone. It's not to do more, right? It's kind of to take a step back. So um, those are great. Those are both great. I um, I wanted to. I have a lot of questions. One, So I read a quote about you, and um, I think this is really wonderful and, and um, really gets to the heart of who you are. And it was a gentleman, I forget his name. I'm, I'm sorry, I forget who said this. It was a colleague. And he said, Holly has a way of finding the best in people, helping them see it, and pointing, pointing out ways to make it shine bright. And I wanted to know: Is that always intuitive? Um, that you're able to do that, or do you have some, uh, you know, tactics for um, finding that in people? In other words, asking certain questions. And I'm speaking particularly to your to the workshops that you do with corporations and, and executive leaders.
0: Mm. You are the first person ever asked me that question. You ask wonderful questions. Well, thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, seriously, I love it, and thank you for sharing the quote from someone that I, who knows who it was, and um, I have to say, it's really important to me what I'm going to answer that question with. Okay. I truly believe every day that I get the opportunity to be a servant. I believe that I'm a messenger. That I feel like, if every day, it doesn't matter where I am in the world. I always pause and pray before I go out into any room, big, huge audience of thousands or small, intimate leadership sessions or workshops or strategy sessions. And I always just say, may I just be a messenger to rekindle hope and inspiration and help people find their life. I don't know that I can tell you that there's a strategy. What I can tell you is that there's never a day that isn't different and unique and beautiful based on the people that are in that room. And I always feel that it's such a gift to be a servant. I'm there to serve and support. And honestly, sometimes, Susan, I don't even know whose life might be changed. Mm. But that's why I feel like I've been put here. And I think think a lot of us, we kind of forget what is our biggest calling and our biggest purpose. And when we discover it, we can change lives. We can make a difference. So um, I'm just fully present. And I'm there to serve and I just allow I create a very safe place for people. And I go into lion's dens. When I say lion's dens, mm. I mean I, I play with the big boys. I'm in with the C suite a lot of times, globally, yes, corporately. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: And well uh-huh. and I would imagine some of them and, and I'm gonna say men in particular only because women tend to be more open to you know, this, this discussion that you and I are having today is not about strategy and, and numbers and analytics. And um, in general, you know, men tend to their, – their minds kind of go there. Women are more um, open to, you know, personal development, I'll say, right? So when you go into these situations and you have some skeptics – you, you, know, you know, you're not providing them with uh-huh. some kind of an Excel sheet or something. You know, you're more talking about personal development. Tell me how you win them over.
0: Ooh, I love that. I wish you could see me right now. Do you know when you really get excited about something and you
1: rub your palms together? Can you think about right now? <laughs> I wish I could see you.
0: <laughs> I'm rubbing my palms together. Because oh, good. I truly, I, I love that. I actually welcome that. Now I, I'm scared to even say that right now because you're going to probably have some callers that will be like, "Oh, we're going to bring her into our toughest group of uh, right, right, but, um, <laughs> yeah, right." But and the reason I'm rubbing my hands and saying I welcome that is because I feel like down deep inside, let's get back to the heart of the matter. I don't care how high up you are, and I go all over the world, and you know whoever you are, we are all human. and at the end of the day we don't get time and we need to be given time to break out of some of these paradigms and get out of this box of the way we're supposed to be thinking Mm. and all this strategy that's been thrown at us and get back to realizing that yes you are a high-level leader but you have a privilege and you have a gift of being a really powerful leader and I literally see grown men cry in some of these days now I know that sounds crazy But they will literally look at me and say, I walked in here as a complete skeptic. I was prepared to pack my stuff and leave. And, you know, I let people be really honest about where they are, whatever the discussion is we're going through. But I don't – I'll shake stuff up. I really shake it up because if I can't leave feeling that we made progress and that you can leave feeling you can make a difference for your life, it's never going to be all professional either, Susan. I think we're some of these people – men and women, they need time to just reflect on who they are as a person. And we don't give, we put a lot of pressure on our leaders.
1: Yes. And they take yes. it,
0: right? They right. Put it on, But yep. they're human too. Mm-hmm. And they don't get a chance to say, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. Right. And right. I think that's the gift that's given to them. I can't tell you how I do it. I just know that's my that's my uh, prayer when I walk in. It's yeah. to serve them and help them get to a place that maybe they haven't been able to get to in a long
1: time. Well, I have to tell you that does not surprise me at all that that um, those moments with you would actually bring someone to tears because, as you just said, it these are these are moments that people are not often given, and especially men and you know we talk about the imposter syndrome right i know that you know that phrase for women but i would i would say that that men probably walk around with that more than women because they don't they don't get together with the girlfriends and cry like we do so they don't have those opportunities they're always putting on the brave face and trying to be tough and when you bring them into a room and give them an opportunity to talk, talk about you know what's been hard um And how overwhelmed they've been feeling. I would imagine that really, you know, it's it's again, you're you're creating that um, that atmosphere of of trust. And and that's what happens. And it's a great thing. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I would love to. Can I just. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Uh, you go. I'm just going to say, Okay, i was just going to say and and
0: on the topic and and just sharing about men. I think that one of the things that I'm seeing happen globally right now, and I want to make sure to just give this shout out is that I do a lot of work with women in leadership, right? Mm -hmm. What I'm seeing is that a lot of the men in the leadership, senior leadership positions, I'm bringing them in and having them share and having them sit on panels and executive panels. They are becoming the champions and the advocates, and they are the ones standing up. You know, we talk a lot about mentorship versus sponsorship, Mm -hmm. but getting men in, men are becoming our biggest proponents and our ambassadors, and I think... I'm seeing where these are no longer two islands, right?
1: Right. It's yes.
0: One big island. That's and right. I want to thank and I do a shout out. There's a lot of I, I could rattle off a whole bunch of great executive level men um that are doing this. But I just want them to know thank you and keep doing it because it's not going unnoticed and you are making a difference in the corporate world in ways you can't even imagine.
1: Absolutely. I agree. And, yeah, it's exciting and it's wonderful. Um, yeah, ironically, I, I want to mention that you have three boys. You have three sons. And I'd love to ask you what you think you are teaching your sons simply by um, by them watching you and watching the work that you're doing.
0: Oh, I wish you could interview them. Wouldn't it be fun to hear what they yes. say?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you could be a fly on the wall. Yes. I mean, I think, oh, you know. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously you have conversations with them, I'm sure, you know, just, you know, being a good mom. But I wonder what you think that, that they have learned from watching you.
0: You know, um I get emotional uh, even talking about this, but. This weekend was a very monumental, my youngest just graduated from college in Chicago, and he's always been incredibly um, high EQ, incredibly gracious and appreciative, and always thanking Mm -hmm. me for, because I was single for a long time too, so I now have an amazing, incredible best friend, husband, who's been an amazing father to them as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to say that they have, and and my oldest son called me this morning and was just, telling me things. I was like, is this my Mother's Day gift? Um, Because he's like, Mom, I just want you to know I am who I am because of you. And I'm like, it's a really emotional three days. So if I sound a little tired, it's all from joy. But to answer your question, my hope and prayer was to raise these boys to be confident in who they are, be comfortable in their skin, um, stay true to their passions and their gifts. They're each completely different, doing three completely different things and pursuing their dreams. But be kind and considerate human beings. And um, I don't, you know, there's no perfect person, there's no perfect human being, and there's no perfect child. But, man, I feel blessed because they're they comfortable in their skin. And I know this is a part for another show, but my oldest was a cancer survivor, and he was diagnosed at 2. Oh. And um, that's another story. Yes, someday my Someday on another show. Yep. Um, Having a life, in a week of my life, moving everything and finding out my child had cancer. But I will say to you, our life is full of ups and downs, and it's the ups that I like to stay in. Mm. But he became, he made me a grandmother,
1: wow. and I am a
0: proud grandmother. Oh. And the day he said, wow, well, Mom, I was told I would probably never be able to have kids. This child's a miracle. Wow. And
1: I said, yes, he is. So, so much goodness, right? Yeah, that's you right. So much goodness. That's right. Well, so much. So let me ask you this. You know, your work and your job, what, what you do really requires you to be high energy and positive. So what do you do on a day where you wake up and you're feeling, you know, not so high energy and not so positive? Because, again, that's, you know, it's a fallacy that we can um, be that way every day because things happen outside of our, you know, outside of our control.
0: Absolutely. And I, I I love that you asked that because I'm going to say jokingly, but not feel free to interview my husband because he gets, you know, it's the people closest to us that get the worst side of us. So he knows when I'm really <laughs> tired or exhausted and I get off the road and I'm wiped out and I'm like, can we not talk? Can I just sit? Um, yeah. and right. but I, by my, my mornings are my refuel. I'll tell you this. I'm very committed to the intentions in my life and my 15 minutes to 30 minutes every morning, it doesn't matter where I am and if I'm in a hotel room, my time alone and my time in my prayer, time and meditation is my refuel. It is the most important part of my day, and nobody gets that. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets that. And that is what keeps Holly Dowling going. And it's also what refuels me because I'm human. And by the way, Susan, most people are shocked when I tell you this, but I'm an introvert by nature. So... My refuel is really not going out. I like to be at home and in my room having
1: room service if I'm on the road. That sounds (laughs) wonderful to me. Listen, we are at the end of the show. It always goes too fast. We didn't even get to talk about EBW and and the UN Foundation, but we will have you on again. And I thank you so much for taking time to be on the show, Holly. Thank you
0: Susan. Have a great
1: week. You too. We'll talk to you soon. That's it everyone for this week of women to watch. Please go to our website for more information at womentowatch.net. That's women the number 2 watch.net. Have a great week. Uh...